Okay, that was the last question we asked. Okay. And this is a question I, I really wanted to talk to with Stephen about because and I'll read what I'll read what I wrote and uh, I'll just reiterate it to him when he comes back. Blending original footage with inserts as pickup shots can be tricky. Do you just go for the best possible shot or try to keep it in line with the original footage? And this is what I wrote. I posed this question because I felt our skills used with the scene one reshoot pretty much made scene three unusable. The difference in quality, angle, setting was so stark. It was like two completely different movies. I think when going for what you have to match as well as possible, I think when going for what you have to match, you have to go. I don't even know how to write. Because you want the footage to essentially you want your footage to be seamless. And so if you're not a so this was a big problem was scene one. I feel like our skills and ability had and had and our, our storytelling had just gotten so much better that by the time scene one ends and it cuts into scene three. Scene three looked even worse than it already did by comparison. So it, it literally made that scene almost completely unusable. And we tried like, and we you can go back and listen to the last episode. We tried so hard to get scene three to work. But then once we had gotten scene one cut in a scene one and two cut in a nice, in a, like a pretty good, like scene one and two pretty much cut exactly how we had planned mm -hmm. in pre-production. We were like, we're going to shoot this and this and this and this and this. There's only two shots that we missed. And I hate myself for missing Which those. Shots are those. It's the POV shot of the guy of, of Tom in the closet watching her undress. And I hate myself for missing that oh, shot. Oh, wow. That's the first time you ever told me. Yeah, you're right. That'd have been great. I hate myself for missing that shot. That'd been a hard one to get, but it wouldn't have been easy. It would have been very difficult, but it was pivotal. Not pivotal, but awesome. Yeah, no, it would have been a great coverage shot. Again, yes. it just would have helped with Wow, yeah, that would have just helped so much because then we could have established her going into the bathtub. Yep. And I hate myself Damn. for missing that shot. And I remember because we were like, ah, oh, we'll just get on the master. We'll just do a one-er. Mm -hmm. And then we can get... Because um, I, I remember... Well, why didn't you tell me that? Like, we Everyone was trying to was get... Was it just trying to get through it? I remember that was just too a lot of I, it wasn't just me I didn't want to just I wasn't trying to rush but I, I felt like I was being rushed I didn't want to rush but everyone else was there so it was like okay yeah and I remember because I knew the shots we could rely on which were the masters yes and I remember uh and uh Sean and uh and Brooke were like we got to get these shots right let's get away let's go let's go let's go and I was just like those are day two shots <laughs> yeah and it, we just end up shooting, you know, all night until the next day. And then we end up getting at least all the core shots. Like we got all the shots to make the movie work, but we didn't get. Yeah, there we, was. There, we knew we needed the masters when we got those. But yeah, we didn't get the fucking coverage. Yeah. So that shot was completely missed. And. While it's a bummer that we missed it, I can live without it. Because it also the scene because we kind of fixed it by doing a slow zoom to fix that shot but what do you think about that buddy blending original footage and the pickups because i felt like sometimes we shoot the new scenes so much better that they don't match at all but you did express what i what i feel is that 
there is such a difference in ability and capability between what we can do now versus then that it is very stark and it does stand out to the audience. And what that ultimately translates into is just taking the audience out of the film. Like, for instance, I think anyone who really pays attention to our film and who's a bit more of a critic and knows their shit, they're going to be like, wow, scene one and two, much, very, okay, you did you did your thing. The rest, oh, what the fuck happened to you, you know? <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, once six years versus zero years ago. Like, yeah. you're seeing the evolution of us as filmmakers. And it's very noticeable. Oh, I distinctly remember I'd finished editing one and two. And then I threw in an establishing shot of Jennifer's house. And then that cut into the bedroom scene in scene three. Yeah. And I remember we, we were sitting here. I think we were in the cabin or something. And we watched it. And it was just like, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> like oh fuck yeah. yeah no 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 I mean it literally went from like a film like a decent looking a decent looking film well shot well framed acting everything to like this ugly because scene three is kind of ugly and we have we only have one tight shot of Richard and it's so starkly different from the rest of the shots yeah. and it's like nothing it really nothing flows or matches and everyone is not really moving and it's just like the characters are kind of standing and i've added inserts i added so much stuff to try to make that scene yeah. work and work and work and it's just like no you know what the problem is is it's it's it has to follow scene the scene and luckily we're cutting now into uh something that's a that is kind of weird and creepy and it kind of lets and no, it, you 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 explained it perfectly when you told me on you, you sold it on me. Redundant. Yes. Scene three. For us, when we wrote the script, that establishes everything. That's the uh, characters. That's who we're introducing you to. But within the context of the entire film as a whole, that's why I'm saying we can't, like you're saying, once we finish what we're doing here where soft picture lock is like, no, we really got to watch it as a whole because yes, within the vacuum of each scene, we're doing great. We are. Yeah. Each scene is great. But when we watch it in the collective whole, eh, it, it comes off way too fast. And scene three, like, yeah, maybe within its own little vacuum of uh, where we fucking suck and we don't know anything. Yeah. It's a great scene. But you made a great argument where you were like, it's redundant to following scenes, subsequent scenes that happen. And now that we've, let's say what happened, we cut it because it was so stark from the pickup shot to what we did do. It was just like, wow, this is great to, wow, this is shit. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Fuck you for that. And how do we solve it? We cut it. And now the film is feeling so much better. And that's part of the problem with reshoots and pickups at our level, at your level, is that if you're like us, dude, you might be shooting this in a year and you might be a much better filmmaker in that year. And then it's like, oh, well, fuck. What I did there just makes everything else look so much worse. And that's what we ran into where 
yeah, me and you talking to each other, we're fucking brainiacs, dude. We're geniuses, you know? We're just fucking riffing, discovering all this shit. Yeah. But in all honesty, I mean, talking to you, just theorizing about theory of filmmaking, I it, it has made me better. Um, but I think scene one and two is a testament to that because we went from scene one to two to three. And I never felt bad about scene three until I saw it compared to scene one and two that we picked up. Yep. And then it was like, oh my God, this. I mean, it gave me anxiety attacks, man, because it was like, yeah. it was like, this is just so bad in comparison that it just completely draws me out of this film. And that's going to happen to anyone else. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not me being like, oh, I'm too close to the film. No, it, it, it was pulling me out. And thankfully, we figured out how to remedy that. And then that even took time. Every, yeah, it, it took time because... To, to, to see that angle. Yeah, because it was so much about how do we fix it to make it work. Mm-hmm. And it was so much about, okay, what if we do this, will this work? If we do this, will this work? But, oh, wait, I need a refill if you got... Let me refill mine because I just poured you one and it was big and you finished it way faster than I thought it would. Yeah. um, So it's like we're like jamming down the line, right? We're going one, scene one, scene two, right? We got the most one of the most amazing actresses, Grace, come on our show. I love Grace. She came in. She knocked it out of the park. We have like cool shots like through the like perspective of a pumpkin and we have like you know we got like grace stripping down and she elevates the film wait what we got her stripping down into her lingerie fucking pervert no dude it's it she's got she's covered in grossness and she you know and then she gets in the bath and you know we really we originally were like you know, we're going to try to capitalize on Psycho because we wanted to do Psycho. Like, it literally, our film was like the evolution of slashers. It yeah. was like, we we, we, t- we touch on Psycho, we touch on Halloween, we touch on Scream. And it was just like, oh, we're so smart. We're so smart. But then it was just like, we're not better than Alfred Hitchcock. No, we're not going to be better than any of them. <laughs> but, not- but you know what Grace does for us that other actress has actresses have done for those films is she's a saving grace yes and that she brings a lot of charm and likability to her character where you are immediately invested right yeah like she fulfilled what karen needed to fulfill within the context of the script damn again to casting right that's so important yeah, and there was. I mean, I don't want to bring up anything that you you mentioned earlier because it's. But you you really need to understand what your actors and actresses can bring to the screen, because it that is so it's so wildly vital, because you have to understand their strengths and weaknesses, and you have to understand what kind of emotions they can portray and what they can't portray, and use that 
to make your film better? Well, let me ask you this, because I think one of the biggest things we've done. Motherfucker. Look at that. Okay, I'm not drinking that whole thing. I'll say that for tomorrow. Just half. I mean, we almost finished a whole bottle of whiskey and like 12 beers. Scotch. Let me. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Let me ask you this because. Hold on. No, you're keep fine. coughing on my. Um, don't apologize to me. Apologize to the listener. No, I cut that shit out. You're the one who has to hear it. I don't mind. So let me ask you this. Um, what did, what did you last say? Something about actresses being able to portray a certain emotion or feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the biggest things we've said throughout the entire filming of this is how amazing our actors are. That still holds true. To an extent. That still holds true, but I feel like the veil is being lifted. And I'm seeing things that, maybe because I'm so much more hands-on now with the edit, because, I mean, you edited since day one, so you had to deal with take after take after take and see, like, Jesus Christ, can can you not get this right, Stephen, after one fucking take? So how has that changed your opinion of the actors? And then how has that changed your opinion of casting going forward? I mean, this is definitely not a question on anything that we discussed, but but I am curious because, you know, I I, I felt so confident I felt so confident with our casting and now it's like, you know, hearing you shit on things earlier in the edit and it was like, fuck, you're right. And, and that's been a little disheartening for me. Part of it is, and this is where I give a big amount of respect to Lynch and it's not necessarily about the ability of your actor as much as is your ability to work with the actor. Mm-hmm. Because if you, so this is, so a big thing is we have actors that give us pretty mediocre performances because they maybe necessarily did not understand the writing or our voice through the writing. No. And then when we see a character that, or an actor that does, it's like, oh, he gets it. He is on that wavelength. The biggest example is uh, Lester. Right? Michael With Barrett. Like, hey, man, that's pretty dope. First, hey, man, that's pretty dope, man. Yeah, and that was one of the things. And I remember there was a guy that we, I liked that you didn't really like, but he didn't, he didn't really read the, the lines like we wanted. But then, and then when it comes to Marianne with Jennifer, like Marianne, is a great physical actress. She's great at performing the physical uh, attributes that are required of Jennifer in the role. Yeah. But when it comes to this side that we wanted, this more subtle side of this playfulness, it just, it doesn't really seem like it came across. And that, I don't know if that was, we didn't use enough takes or... If it's just, I I don't, I'm not, I would never blame anyone other than myself uh, because what I'll say, the buck stops with us. 
What I'll say is in that case, it was pitch perfect in so many other ways. Yeah. Because I think I, I always, I'm, I'm left like sad because each character in each actor that we cast, they do, there's certain scenes that they just knock out of the park. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is we never, it never was full throughout the whole film. That's a lack on us, dude. And no, I blame myself. Yeah, I blame that, us completely. I blame us completely. Because it's like, oh, we see the scenes that we wanted you to shine in, and they do shine. But the problem is they shine when they're they know what to do, and we just did we we couldn't direct. We didn't direct it properly. Cause I keep going back to there's this there's this scene, the the end of the garage massacre. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. But when we were capturing that, and I remember Audra was like, she was asking me, she was, and it was like, uh, you know, like, how do you want me to act? Like, what is the direction that you are wanting from me? And I remember just kind of feeling challenged, like, what do you mean? It's it's on the page. <laughs> yeah. Don't you get it? And then she was just like, you know, just like work with me, like talk to me. And I, and like through that process, I learned a lot more about being a director and working with actors. Because, Tell me more about that. Because I remember it, it, I was just like, look, what I want you to do is I want you to feel the character. And I, I, I remember I was, I told her, I want you to have this subtle flirtation with to- with the character Toasty. I want with Gianluca, but I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm I like I'm this like slut that's just gonna fuck every guy in the room. But it's just like, hey, you're gonna slowly try to intimate that you want something from this character. And I want you to show me that. And then I want you to use the dialogue. Because the dialogue is supposed to endear you to that character. And then we started getting better performances out of her. And then by the end of the day, we got the most insane performances out of Audra as an actress. Everyone that was in that room when she was getting essentially tortured and raped. I mean, we don't show like full on penetration or anything crazy like that. (laughs) We don't show anything like that, but it's like, and an, it's essentially not an, even raped, just murdered. Jesus Christ! Um. But it's a sexual assault. <coughs> yeah, that you wrote it, you fucking pervert. And it's a great scene. Is it not? Did it, is it not a great scene? No, I, I, I still remember on set that day because it was more than what you could ask for from the actor. And then everyone was just so defeated after that. It was just like, yeah, good job, man. Great. You captured what you wanted to capture. Cool. This is depressed. I'm going to go have a drink now at the bar. But Because, and I mean that in a compliment because, man, it was just so heavy. And she just delivered so perfectly. And I just remember, I literally remember that day because it was like, fuck, Audra. You're just fucking amazing you are so goddamn good and you ruined my day you know but when you go back and you look at that scene and i i remember i was so worried because i remember there was a point where you're like we may have to cut the garage there's they're gonna there might be a 
a, what do you mean a point? I still stand on that. Yeah, but I mean, there still he stands on that point where it's like well, maybe we cut the garage, but now that's becoming one of my favorite scenes. Now it's becoming less and less so, and that's the whole point, right? Is reducing. Yeah. I mean, you say kill your darlings, kill your babies, whatever. The garage scene is that. I mean, that was my like jerk off session. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, like a virgin, about babe. Yeah, well, I mean, there's two sections of the garage. There's the meta commentary on on horror films and and the characters within them. Yeah, and then there's what happens to all of them as a result of their essentially misunderstanding of real life situations, which we would hope to resolve because I I distinctly remember when we were writing it, it was like, so we're going to have a bunch of characters complain about what characters do in horror movies and they're going to do all those things and that gets them killed. (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny, right? It's hilarious. It's a little funny. It's cute. And then we get to, you know, actually filming the scene and it's, it's fucking difficult. Yeah. Cause Audra did too good. And Audra, I mean, Audra and Gianluca, they shine, they shine through the goddamn ceiling. And we, I mean, Ben, God bless his soul. He's great too. Taylor. Amazing. amazing. I mean, she was going to be Jennifer. And so we have some really strong actors and, you know, essentially they're just talking about like this meta joke. And we're hoping, I mean, obviously we'd hope that like horror fans would understand what they're talking about, what they're getting at. You know, the problem is it's like, there's nothing filmmakers like making more than movies about filmmakers. Yes. And there's nothing people hate more than movies about filmmakers. But And that was what we fell into. It's like filmmakers, cinephiles, horror film fanatics, you're going to love this. Everyone else, you're like, what the fuck are you, babe? But, but in the process of creating the film, we missed on a few key pivotal moments to, like to bring those characters in. So Toasty was intentionally supposed to be a much more prominent character. But Way because more. of Gianluca's schedule, we had to cut that back significantly. In our shooting. We essentially had him for one day. And we yeah. could... and and and. The most pivotal scenes that he had, we weren't able to film because Freeman wasn't able to be there that day. Yeah. It was just a series of incredibly unfortunate events that forced us to reconcile that. No, Toasty is just going to be this now side, uh, like side character that part of the body count is part of the body. He initiates the body count in a sense. And he initiates it because, but he, he's our only good character, right? And literally, the, the whole, isn't he the only good character in the, the whole idea, film? Like when we initially, when we initially wrote it, him, it scripted. was supposed to be him and Callista were the only true good-hearted characters, yeah. and they're the most brutally murdered characters. If there's a heaven, that's where they're going. Yes, and it's because we, and that's like the cynic, maybe the more cynical side of Stephen and I, or maybe just me, just saying. <laughs> no, like, both of us, dude. Because it was like, look, these are the these are the characters that actually give a shit about the other characters, and, and they all die. they they don't they don't just die. <laughs> they're they're brutally die. murdered, right? They're gonna fucking die. And it's like, 
it's because it's like, look, that's what happens to like the good people in this world, mm-hmm. right? They just are, they're just fucking brutally murdered. And I just remember thinking ignored, like ignored, passed off. And once we because it was like you can't deny Gianluca. You cannot no. deny him. When you he, watch him, you can't deny him. And it was just like we I remember we were talking. We had a discussion at Red Robin on who was going to be Red Rich. Robin. It was going to be who was going to be Richard. And there was th- oh, there yeah. were three choices. And there was it was it, it finally ended up being between Gianluca and and Freeman Lyon. And I remember my argument was Luca can't play Gianluca can't play Freeman or can't play Richard because he's too handsome and charming and he's essentially everything that we don't want Richard to be. But Freeman is all of those things. Too. And it's not that Freeman isn't handsome and charming because he's fucking handsome and charming. Yeah, he is. And but the thing is he gives these awesome facial expressions and he, they, they're throughout the movie where it's he just, has a darkness to him. Yes. That Gianluca doesn't have. Yes. Plain and simple. Yeah. And it, and it works so well. And I remember it, it, and, it and I remember being so validated because Freeman what ended up being in this Lifetime movie <laughs> where he's essentially playing the character we wrote for him. Lifetime proved us right. <laughs> And it was like, oh, he worked. He he's the best part of that movie, and he's stunning yeah, and wonderful in that Lifetime film. I wish I could remember the title, but because he plays a psycho, he plays a psycho that is Dude, is a you know, girl's I'm best friend. I'm fucking drunk, so I'm going off script here. But fucking Freeman, dude, I think we we casted good when the actors understand what we're doing because lack of directing but when they do understand what the directors and writers are trying to get across i mean they they fucking deliver man you know i'm i remember uh in my own vanity i went through and i watched some of those documentary interviews i never have and never see that and on freeman lyon's interview he talks about how we we were good directors, but we were unaf- we were too afraid to push the actors to being great. Oh, and shit. he was absolutely one hundred percent right. And you know, I I remember when I was listening to him talk about just like us directing and what it was like to like be on set with us and everything like that. I was just like, you know, there was a reason for our fear. And it and, and maybe that comes with a sense of abandonment. I mean, I know you and I both have that kind of from <laughs> our childhoods. No, dude, we're we're living in the real world. Like literally. <laughs> Who the fuck are we and what are we doing? And we're asking people to spend a hundred dollars a day to come up and do this fucking thing when they're losing out on money. But we had to believe that what we were doing was was worth it to them, and no. we and push them to be but the best that they those, could be. We're not those assholes that believe in our own bullshit. Oh, absolutely. We not. try to be honest to what we're doing. Keep talking. I got to pee. We try to make a podcast that, you know, Tom and I love to hear the sound of our own voice. Jesus Christ! I mean, the sound of our own voice. I'm- but honestly, we love to hear the sound of our own voice. We're we're a bit narcissistic, egotistical, uh, pretentious, whatever. I don't know what fucking words follow us. But you're probably right. 
and you know you 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 can get away with that to an extent and and I'm sure that will allow you to get away with a lot because there's a certain amount of confidence that you mime but there is also a certain amount of fear in what we're doing because at what we have to offer anyone can walk away and I think you as a filmmaker you have to learn how to push and pull you have to learn to demand more of your actor because if you can, if you can get more out of your actor get it because it's going to benefit you but if or anyone anyone on your team but if you can't then you also have to know when to like just pull away and just allow them to take that spot and that's very difficult because especially when you have a, a clear vision on what you want and you're just not getting it and and I certainly know that for Tom and I, you know, working on this edit, Tom's more willing to just be more open-minded to a lot of the cuts. And and I'm just like, dude, it, it's as good as it's going to get. Literally, it does need to be finessed. And you're right. I'm right. But what... I think the finesse is, is just like frames and what you think the finesse is literally different takes. And then that can lead into its own thing. That can also become a difficult point because yeah, Freeman might want us to be more pushy and more and press on him more. But seriously, I, I, I think Freeman heard me tell him like, I think Freeman's doing this and he did not respond very well to that. And I think it showed in his acting. And and that's a hard thing to do because at the end of the day, we're not giving our actors what they deserve. And certainly in our film, what our actors deserved, they're never probably going to get. Let's be honest. Like, I mean... The best we can do is just make a horror film that's fun for people, that people love to see and get some notoriety. But as far as actual payment, I mean, they fucking delivered. I mean, they literally are the reason why we have a film to show. Every single person who was involved. And um, you're subject to that. And so you have to be conscientious to that and grateful to that. You know, if I was a better director, if I followed directors more, if I spent more time in that world, maybe I could figure out an angle to like get Freeman to deliver better on any part that he felt he did not deliver well on. I mean, I felt like it was like every time I worked with Freeman, every time I worked with Freeman, I was just like, oh, you're amazing. Literally. And maybe that's a that's definitely a lack of myself to not be so critical. But if I was critical, what would he have done? I'd be like, do another take, do another take, do another take, do another take, do another take. Because you would see when I would do that. And yeah, maybe I eventually did get what I want, what we wanted. But you could also see where people were just getting very upset. You could see the real emotion behind the fake emotion. Right? Oh, we absolutely. And and we can only push so hard because at the end of the day, if someone says, well, fuck you, I'm out of here. 
what are we going to do? If Marianne says, fuck you, I'm out of here on the last day of shooting for her character, what are we going to do? What What do we do? Literally, what would, what would we do? I mean, we would have cheated the shit out of murdering her. <laughs> that, that is what we would have done, and it you would ju- have been you just, awful. You just cheat it? Like, fucking the hell? You just cheat that shit as fucking hard as you can cheat something? That's like, a, is that literally... That's what we would have done, but... Luckily, we didn't have to worry about it. No, because she's a professional. But I mean, like, literally to people who don't have the fortune that we have to work with such great people, like, what does someone do in that instance? What would you advise them to do? Because we're fortunate. We, We are really fortunate, dude. I mean, I would advise him to learn how to suck dick really good. Well, he didn't tell me that before. He said he couldn't suck dick. <laughs> well, maybe now it just sold me. No, so, I mean, in that situation, that that was seriously our worst case scenario. And it was it was a bit of the dread that was holding over me because we had such a long shoot. It was like 10 months or 8 months or something like that. No, it was 30. It was 30 weekends. That's a lot of weekends. How many weekends is how many weekends is 30 weekends? Four. There's 52 eight, weeks in a 12, year. 16, 20, 24, 28, eight weekends. That's eight. That's four, like something like four and a half months or something like that. But what sounds about right? I mean, we, I think we also right. finished our stuff. At a respectable time, because honestly, we got to that point, right? Do you, do you feel that? Yes, but I I'm, I wanted to go back on something really quick, uh, because there only were two times that I think I was emotionally moved while filming Dickhead. One was Audra, and we talked about that. Mm-hmm. And the second time was Freeman in the bedroom delivering his monologue. I remember I wrote that monologue with every bit of my heart and soul and he delivered it with every bit of of power and energy that I could ever want. And you know what the saddest part about that is? We didn't record it. <laughs> there was an audio hold and the audio was never re-recorded and we continued the take. We have the video but we do not have the audio. And part of that just rips my heart and soul apart. We, I mean, we have the scene, there was coverage, but that take, I remember just, I was sitting in the room just trying to hold back, feeling the emotion. And it... And I remember going through the edit and looking and listening to that audio where it just cuts off randomly. And it's like having an anvil fall from fucking Mars slam directly into my soul. And it hurts, man. Because you you love those scenes and you love that performance. And something completely out of your control caused it to not be saved for it to not exist anymore. And losing that scene and 
it hurt and it still hurts but i mean we worked we've worked on it and we worked on it and we managed to make it work somehow and it's like and that's due to their to Marianne and Freeman's dedication and you know Marianne always knocked it out of the park so you just have to really find actors that you can work with and that and that you can develop a quick trust with because you're not only trusting them with the entire you know heart and soul of your film you're entrusting them to you know march along with you with that journey we hold up a huge end on our bar of the bargain because we are we have to deliver at the end of the day so that you know freeman and marianne and michael and chris and heather and suzanne and ben and audra and luca Luca and grace can we'll see this film that we steve and i have toiled over and other than the crazy mishaps with editors and us having to decide that we had to do it ourselves we you know we're really we're trying to make and tell the best story that we can and it's a story that is deeply personal to us Wait, and why is it deeply personal to us? It's personal to us because how much time we've spent on it, right? Not only that, but literally just the context of the story is, is Tom. Per, I mean, I'm not necessarily Tom, I'm more Richard than Tom, but oh, the one who really brutalizes people. Yes. I I mean, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from that. I really I mean, that was that's the perspective I'm coming from. And you know, and then we see you know, characters like Ward. And I think I'm Lexi. <laughs> no. Oh, there ah! we go. But it's like, you know, we, I just remember it's like we're seeing what we can do and hope, I, I just hope that it's not all for nothing, I guess, in a sense, because, because of the time commitment and because of, Everything that we've gone through with this damn movie, if people are just like, ah, it sucks. I mean, that's a bummer. I'm, I hope that people at least watch it enough to say it sucks. Yeah, if we have an audience, <laughs> if we have, we can complain. Yeah, if at least people have watched it and said it sucks, I'm fine with that because I. So, can I ask you a question? Because I don't know if we ever actually got to it, but. Blending the original footage with inserted pickup shots. We did. Can be tricky. So do you just go with the best possible shot or do you try to keep it in line with the original footage? Like, how do you make all of that mesh? So I answered this earlier, but I'll answer it. The second part of the question or I'll answer. I'll answer the question, whatever. (laughs) I won't read what I wrote earlier. You can Go back and listen to what I, I read while Stephen was peeing. I think it was when I read that. I was not peeing. I was here the entire time. That's right. So what I wrote, what I think is, and this is why I wrote this question as tricky. It's because you have to keep it in line with your original footage. Mm-hmm. Because if you shoot 
so if you shoot a scene, like if you shoot a pickup or an insert or something that just like looks too nice or like starkly so much better, mm-hmm. the distinction becomes extremely noticeable by, by the audience. Yeah. And it takes them out of the film, I believe. So you have to keep that in mind because while it's very tempting to want to get the best shot possible, it could be too good. It could be too good. And then it's like, oh, but. So you're saying never be too good. Just be but then good I'm, enough. But then I'm thinking like maybe there are just, maybe films are good enough on just their, on, on certain aspects and not as a whole. Like what? Because I'm thinking like. Name one. I mean, Halloween 2. Oh, that's fair. Like for some films. I mean, because. Because maybe it's hard to live up to an entire cohesive story. So I do appreciate some films that just have one or two scenes that are great. And then that makes up for a lot. I think Tarantino gets away with that for a lot, in my opinion. Okay. Not really. He's amazing. But he does get away with that. What are some other... Well, just can you name some other films where the scene is the main attraction in the overall film, not so much? Because that's kind of hard, right? Uh, Rolling Thunder. T- speaking of Tarantino. Rolling Thunder, what's that? So Rolling... No, only Tarantino knows that. Name something for the audience. Um, essentially all of Marvel. Oh, but what if I thought that was the greatest thing ever? Then you're, I'm sorry. But like, think about it. Marvel movies are essentially like all this build up to some big climactic thing, some big epic like set piece, right? And you're just kind of waiting and it's like, well, eventually we're going to get to the big awesome marvel set piece mhm cuz you never saw guardians of the galaxy 3 or i didn't see 3 uh but i'm thinking like marvel sucks but i i don't know but they have they probably have some fun scenes in their movies no well yeah you agree more than me but i don't know i haven't watched a marvel movie in a long time not that i'm cool because of that just i'm just saying I don't waste my time on it. I watch bad horror movies. Instead. You know what? It, it's kind of interesting because me and you flipped a little bit. I used to be the pretentious asshole, but we flipped. I am the pretentious asshole. Yeah, you're way more. You're way worse than I am, dude. Way worse. Because I'll be like, Tom, what about this? Like, look at this element. And you'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking sucks, dude. It still does. And it's like, I will yes, say- okay. I know there's no like breaking that barrier, but you know, can, you know what but happened? Can you just admit that, like, <laughs> come on, man, they did a thing and it kind of succeeded, and you're like, hey, you know, you know what? It really did that. You know what? Do ha- you see the cigarette? Does it go out? Do you know what happened, Keanu? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. What that? I watched a bunch of seventies movies. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite seventies film? My favorite seventies, literally, film. like Alien. L- Alien is what seventy nine. 
But you know, I for a while, for like a pretty much almost from the start of this year, I watched like Straw Dogs. Really, seventies because The Godfather, The Godfather, literally the greatest film ever made is seventies. I think The Godfather was made in the sixties. No, it was not. Look it up, motherfucker. And you know what? Even if it, you're right, a lot of people say The Godfather too. Oh, 72. Okay. 72. Wait, wait, wait. Look up The Godfather 2. 74. Okay. So you got The Godfather, Godfather 2, Halloween, uh, whatever. the. What did you name? Alien. Okay, that's a very good one. <laughs> uh, Rosemary's Baby is 68, so that yeah. doesn't count. No. Uh, but 70s. Uh, Harold and Maude. Harold and Maude. The wi- my favorites. The Wild Bunch. Fuck the Wild Bunch. I fall asleep to that shit all I, the time. I did too. I, I can't, make I it can't finish that movie. But uh, uh, The Rivers Over Kawhi. Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, how about Jaws? Jaw- what is Jaws? 78? 75? How about, really? 75. How about, uh, yeah. How about... um. Uh, the dancing movie with Roy Schreider. Um, oh, all that jazz, all that jazz. That's 79, it's like 76 or something, dude. What's the Liza Minnelli one?H, uh, Cabaret. That's, that's that's 70s, yeah. That's before all that jazz. Well, motherfucker, what do you got to say? What's the best 70s film for you? For you, for you. Like for you, like legit. Well, I, well, Who gives a shit I, about anyone than, else? The other than Alien? Yeah, whatever you think. What, like li- literally, whatever you think. I think Alien is one of the most perfect movies oh. ever made. What is that? Seventy nine. Seventy nine. So it's Alien for you. I I I over the Godfather because you love the Godfather, dude. I do love the Godfather, but dude, Al- there's something about the set design. An alien, you know me. I love alien. <laughs> I love alien. I can, the, 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 but you were a big god. I think you I like the Godfather, Godfather more than Alien. Is Godfather is probably a better movie than Alien, but Alien is the most just everything perfect about it. movie ever made. What about Blade Runner? When is that? That's eighties. That's eighties. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So the seventies. I mean, I, I mean, we're talking. Uh, there's a lot of what did Kubrick direct in the seventies? Uh, he directed uh, Clockwork Orange. No, two thousand one was like sixty eight, I think. So Clockwork Orange, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. and Barry Lyndon, which is mm-hmm. amazing. I've seen that seventies man. What I'm about telling? Tarkovsky? I haven't. I still have not you seen one. Fucking forty. I wow! So, hey, there's, so so literally for you, it's Alien. I love that movie. I fucking oh, I, love it. Yeah, Alien. I fucking love Alien. I I watch it all the time. Every time I watch it, I dude, I, I appreciate it more every time I watch it. It's it's like the perfect type, right? It's just like yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect film. Um, the cast, the script. Oh, Warriors came out in the seventies. I put Warriors. I love Alien. No, no, no. But I love the Warriors. Um. Oh, Taxi Driver. That was seventy. Yeah. <laughs> Taxi Driver versus <laughs> Alien. Then. <laughs> really? You're gonna say Alien? 
<laughs> I want to say Alien, but Taxi Driver is so good. I think Taxi Driver over Alien. I love it's just it's just more deep. It's deep, but all and it and it's it captures something like really cool and kind of to the, sexy to the, and taboo about but New York. To the, but to this day, right? Like uh, Pickle, what is his name? Bickle, Bickle Travis Bickle. He he'd be a mass shooter now, right? Yep. But the alien that shoots acid out of his butthole—that. Okay, yes, yes, I know we're discovering them. They're they're landing on Earth. Okay, <laughs> I, I saw it on Joe Rogan. But yeah, Mr. Marshuk or whatever that guy's. There's something name about is. Travis Bickle that I mean and to and to romanticize him, right? That's why I think one of the greatest is it eighties or maybe early, very early nineties at Science of the Lamb? That's nineties. That must be like ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. Yeah. John, uh, Jonathan Demi. Jesus Christ, that's a fucking perfect film. Yeah. Science of the Lamb. Science of the Lamb is just perfect. perfect, dude. Yeah. It, it's perfect. It's it's a perfect. There's very few perfect films, but Alien and Science of the Lambs are among them. So what about 80s and what's the 80s perfect film? Um 80s perfect I, I mean film. there's a lot. Let's let's be real. There's a lot of Die perfect Hard? no. Die Hard? No. No, From... to, to me, Die Hard's perfect. Science of the Lamb. Science of the Lamb's not 80s. What, what do we say? Blank. What's that Aliens? So what's what's that 80s fill-in for Aliens, Blank, Science of the Lamb? Uh, man, for me, my gut said Blade Runner. Ooh, yeah, you little fucker. Yeah, <laughs> shit. My gut immediately jumped to Blade Runner. But also, you got Terminator. Terminator 1. Terminator's fucking tight, yeah. You got, but it's not as tight as Blade Runner. No. Blade Runner's just epic. It's an epic film. Well, Blade Runner's so much more than just what it is. As what a it movie. is, yeah. It's just... That's that's why I'm saying like, it's that epic. Um, and also, fuck, this, like I said, to me, I'm a sucker for immaculate set design. Blade so, Runner, alien, immaculate set design. Um, What about... Empire Strikes Back. No. Okay. Um, 80s. Let's go with... Well, 80s, you have Jaws. No, 70s. That's 70s. That's 70s? 75. What the fuck does 80s have? It doesn't have shit. Blade Runner, E.T. Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. You got... uh, the thing, the thing. Oh, the what is thing. that? Is that seventies or eighties? Eighties. The thing. Big trouble in Little China. Is the thing the best? They live. Is the thing the best eighties film? No, it's not the best. What? What then? What? What's beating it in the eighties? I mean, technically, Come and See came out in the eighties. That doesn't count. That's <laughs> Russian. You're not a communist. Uh. Is Blade Runner better than The Thing? Yes and no. <laughs> what a cheapskate answer. Well, yes, it's a better story. It's tighter. But nothing can accomplish what Blade Runner did as far as world building. So. About Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so I get. <coughs> 
Wait, wait. Let's just fundamentally look at it. Blade Runner versus the thing. Okay, so Blade no, Runner. Oh, hold on. I know my answer. Blade Runner. <sighs> yeah, it's Blade Runner. Without a doubt. Without a fucking doubt. It's probably Blade Runner. But the thing is pretty goddamn good. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. It's a perfect. It's a masterpiece. The thing is a masterpiece. Well, if we're talking 80s, The Shining also came out. What what was that? Like 1980. 1980 in December of 1979. I, I don't know exactly the date. Fuck Kubrick. He's a little fucker. He died of a heart attack. Get that fucker out of here. Let's talk real film. The aliens killed him. You know what else came out in the 80s? Robocop. Very true. And what have you seen more? Shining, Robocop. What was that other fucking movie we mentioned? The Thing. The Thing. Well, yeah, you might have seen The Thing more than Robocop. I've, seen, I've probably seen The Thing more than Robocop. Really? Yeah. No, I know for a fact I've seen Terminator and Robocop and Predator oh. more than I've ever seen The Fucking Thing. Oh, Predator. You just mentioned Predator. Another perfect movie. Yes. Um, uh, Predator's like one of the ultimate meta movies. It's, yeah. Right? Because you have the opening, it's like Commando, and then all of a sudden, fuck you, Arnold. What about, you know, damn, dude, the 80s. Days of Thunder? Top Gun? Roadhouse? I love Roadhouse. I love that movie. <laughs> I've seen that movie a lot. Dude, I love Eddie, Eddie uh, Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah. Remember Lost La- Pee Wee, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, yeah. Tim Burton, like it. Tim Burton's entire career, Uh, yeah. Uh, Batman, (sighs) Batman came out in '89. Yeah. Michael Keaton's Batman, Michelle Pfeiffer, most beautiful woman ever. It's probably Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. Total Recall came out in the '80s. No, that was '90s. Oh yeah, it's like ninety one or ninety two. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Running Man? That was like eighty seven. Stephen King novel. That was eighty six, eighty five, somewhere. Something like that. Yeah. The good one. I love the Running Man. <laughs> it. Nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety two, somewhere the around there, and then the stand was nineteen ninety four. Yep. All right, you ready to do some movie trivia? No, let's finish the fucking questions, man. Oh, are there more questions? Yes. Okay, let's look. Let me ask you, because you have excellent answers. A liquid IV. Uh, main topic. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. After I think of your projects and planning, there's execution of proper schedule. Meh. We did that. What are your big takeaways from doing pickup reshoots? Is it better to have a side? We didn't ask that one. Okay. So, buddy. Yes. What are your, and this is just me asking you because you're a much smarter man. Sure. What are your big takeaways from doing pickups slash reshoots? Is it better to have a solid edit before deciding or if you got the cash, just shoot it all and figure it out later? For me personally, and this is what I wrote. Because you're my papa. So am I like bankrupting you? So this is what I wrote. For me personally, I hate them 
and would never want to do them again in any future project. Wait, what? Only as a last resort because of the logistics involved in getting back cast and crew and sets. Then matching and hoping the same energy or even matching levels of energy don't throw the scene into chaos. So what I found when we did pickups is that maybe this is just our inexperience in doing pickups. But it's like, holy shit, they're so fucking different from the scenes that we shot. Yeah. That it's like most of our pickups became unusable <laughs> to some degree because it's like so either it's because the age of the actor has become a determining factor in why the pickup is not viable or we could not match continuity wise as to why it's not viable um a big problem that i have with pickups too is like so like when we were when we had talked about redoing scene one Scene one, it was fundamental that we had shot in the same set that the end scene in the bathroom matched because there was significance. What do they call that book ending? Yeah, it was there was a significant reason as to why it it, it was supposed to work that way. And we had to find and we had to work and write around worker. And right around this, because that set just became unusable. Well, yeah, we literally tore it down and threw it away. Yeah, so we put ourselves into, right? And it's like, okay, we can't, so we don't, we literally don't have access to that set anymore. How do we fix this now? Oh, we have to compromise. My big thing is with reshoots is it's just a comp, it's a compromise. It's a compromise to what because you didn't get what you needed to get on the day on the time at the time and that is a huge problem because every compromise comes at the integrity and or the aspect or skill not skill but the integrity of the film because due to your either you know due to our inexperience due to our naivety due to our ignorance we didn't get exactly what we needed and that caused us to have to go back and get what we needed. But you can't, it's not as easy as just saying, oh, hey, we can go back and do X, Y, or Z. I mean, we had to paint walls. We had to fake and cheat our way into ev- to make every single goddamn reshoot work. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's like, you know, like you said, we overused Kylie in a lot of the reshoots and setups and pickups. And it's like, then you look at it and you're like, that's not the same person. And like, maybe that's just us. I think there's also a disconnect maybe between us being so close to the film and analyzing every single aspect of it and not being able to forgive ourselves for that. But at the same time, it's also like, yeah, Kylie does not look like Marianne. Kylie in a wig does definitely no, doesn't look like like look like Marianne. There's different body types. Different body types, different hair, different way they walk. So if you're actually paying attention, you'll notice. Yeah. And it's big and it's a problem. So that's could why Could you I, notice could you tell when I was Max? Everyone played Max. That's a problem. But could but could you tell when I did it specifically? I mean, it's not fair because I know when you did it, but yes. 
And I, I also, well, I can tell when well, Luis well, did well, it, well, and I can tell well, when I did it, and I well, can tell when... Well, who did a better job, me or Max? Oh, you. Yeah? <laughs> we made everything hard because we didn't make Max do what we wanted him to do. And that's the correct... What did he not do what you cor- wanted him to do, then? Uh, one, we wanted a Wait. character that was going to be brutal without hesitation and power and strength. And what we got was hesitation, weakness, and essentially things that weren't what we wanted. And we've had to painstakingly... Wait, let me ask you this. Did Max reflect us? And in reflecting us, he also represented how we idealize ourselves? No. Okay. Not at all. Yep, I didn't think so. No, I wouldn't. Yep. Nope. If if I was the brutal murderer, mm-hmm. it wouldn't look like this. <laughs> what would it look like? Brutal. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yes. I will. Say, I mean, look. I said. Like I said, it is just. It, it is our. It is on us. One hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I do not blame. The buck stops with us. The buck stops with us. Everything stops with us. The big, you know what the p- part of the big problem was? Is we didn't have a good and solid understanding of stunts and what we could, what actors could accomplish yeah. during doing those stunts. Like we, the amount of work we've had to do to kind of fix those problems. And those are problems that we should have addressed before. Max did everything we asked him to do. The problem is, is we didn't understand what we needed to ask Max to do. Yeah. And that means that what we ha- what we ended up with was I mean, I think we've adapted well as best as we can to essentially what is a character that for lack of a better word is retarded. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how else to say it. <laughs> I mean, he shuffle the cards. He's so retarded. Let me pick up this card. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, his actions. Look, we were just cutting the scene in the car where Max is supposed to pull out and gouge the eyes out of a mm-hmm. certain character. Well, not completely within the scene we directed because I don't think we established that. No, and that was on us. We mm-hmm. fucked that up big time. That was something we decided later on. But the follow through and the actual violence of the scene was so poorly portrayed that we've had to fucking stretch every little wrinkle of our brain to make it work. And I blame me. I blame me and I blame Steven. Not, I mean, me more than Steven, but I don't blame Max at all. I mean, Max is a fantastic actor and he did exactly what we asked him to do. We just were fucking idiots. And asking him what we needed to do. And that's a big fucking problem because we really needed a character that was going to be that this like violent almost 
you know, like sexual deviant predator that could break down a brick wall, right? But at the same time, not fully comprehend everything around the world because he had been so sheltered and protected by his sister that caused him to develop feelings of of a relationship that isn't uh, that was extremely inappropriate and taboo and you know we wrote this character and it's like we didn't really ever get the character that we wanted that happened a lot with our film and i th- blame myself and Steven as writers because we should have made that dis- made these distinctions more clear understood accepted because a big problem is we didn't eventually i don't know it's hard to talk about because I mean, when you really think about it, it's like we were talking, we were breaking down these stories and we were breaking these characters and we were writing the script. It was so long ago. And what we wanted, we never, we never, at least I feel we never really got. And any of the characters, not only what Max portrayed, Max was great. Max brought exactly what we had asked him to bring. And the problem was, is we weren't, I don't know if it was a confidence, fear. I mean, because part of it, like the thing too was, it was kind of a big joke. In a sense, Tom's character, the character of Tom, Tom Jones, by the way, (laughs) is a big, it's kind of a big joke. Right, he's a character that is infatuated. Fuck, and that's his name, Tom Jones. He is a character that is infatuated and in love with his sister, so much so that he f- goes out and fights to find a replacement for his sister upon her accidental death. And I don't know if we just caught some kind of like perfect storm with Max. But Wait, we, what? But he we, wants to fuck his sister? But we... I don't uh, know if Mac wants to fuck his sister, but we ended up getting this kind of portrayal of this almost, like, seemingly innocent character because Max had this interesting way of portraying the character where he was like a child. And, I mean, it's like, you know, it wasn't exactly Gary Coleman. <laughs> Look, he's trying to make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's not far off. I mean, he's like stuntily matured psychopath slash... Because mm-hmm. the thing was, and I remember Steve and I having a lot of discussions about this, about that the fact that uh, he is really adverse to blood and the character is supposed to be extremely adverse to extreme violence. violence. And his violence is also, all of his violence is supposed to be sexual. 
in well, in nature. But and then later when we filmed it, it was like it had a reason. It wasn't just hey, I'm doing this thing. It was like this thing happened that catalyst into this reaction. Yeah, and also it, there was a kind of like an idea that he was a reluctant killer because yeah, everyone just kept getting in his way of what he wanted, and that. Uh, forced us to play the character in such a way that he he became like this violent monster because people don't just let you do what you want with them. Is that so, buddy? And I mean, that's what we tried. Yeah. I hope. I hope that in the end, that's what we accomplished. But fuck, dude. We tried. That's all I'll say. We tried... I I think there's are there questions left? Well well let me ask you two more questions. Two more, you got it. When you said we tried, do you think we tried good? Yes. So then in closing, what are your big takeaways from doing picture pickups slash reshoots? Is it better to have a solid edit before deciding or if you got the cash, just shoot it all and figure it out later? I think for future projects. It will be done without a question. Well, talk about both budgets. I will. In future projects, it will be without a question that as soon as as soon as scenes are done being filmed, they will be edited so that we can see what what we have and what we need to pick up, mm-hmm. which is something that we didn't do with Dickhead. So. There shouldn't you really don't have an excuse as a filmmaker to not be editing as you are shooting so that you know what you have currently and what you need to go back and fight for. Because if for whatever reason, if we needed to pick up scenes at the college, we probably could have squeezed that in. If we needed to fight and pick up scenes, or like, hey maybe we would have discovered that that amazing, wonderful performance that Freeman gave the audio cut out halfway through. We could have reshot that scene and got it done while we had Freeman at that house. So the dailies in dailies, but also it's important to have your edit because until you kind of have a good scope an idea of what the film is, what fucking purpose do you have of having a reshoot? You don't know what you have until you're, you have your edit completed. Like, like Steven and I, we did reshoots because we had, we had a rough, a rough cut, but through the editing and things that we've done, it's like, we didn't need like most of the reshoots that we did because the, our editing skills are so much better and we've figured out ways to make scenes work without using the reshoots. Now there are some reshoots that we have that have been pivotal and absolutely necessary, but I'm sure at least one, but really for the most part, it's out of the majority for the uh, the majority for the most. I mean, we did a lot of reshoots. We probably did reshoots and pickups. We did at least 30 shots. And they didn't fucking even end up in there. And maybe 
you know, three or four have ended up back in the movie. It's like five to 10 percent. And it's like and and that just comes from just not having a really good solid cut. Yeah. And I think what you need to do before you even start to consider reshoots or refilming scenes or anything is you need to you really need to have a really strong edit and you need to edit the fuck out of every bit of footage that you have. And then you really have a good idea of what you need or what you don't need. And, you know, that's pretty much, that's what I got. What do you got, buddy? Well, buddy, in closing, as you have discussed, buddy, I would like to add to help in getting coverage after you work to call cut. Let things roll a second longer. And even after you call cut, when stop recording, save that for the last thing you do. You know, just hit the record, stop record button last. Because you might find a gem by things playing out a little longer. Or you might need a beat before you cut to the reverse shot. Because in our case, often we called cut before the emotion left the actor. And we see that. So let it all play out longer. Just stop recording. Let that be the last thing you do. Because you might have just that glimpse of something and that might lead into the next cut. And I think that wraps it up for uh what the fuck is this topic about? Reshoots, pickups, and everything else. And there was one last thing I wanted to ask you, but I freaking forgot. Yeah, that's all right. But I think I have a follow-up in that sense that when you work on your next project and you have to do reshoots or pickups, should you feel guilty about that? No. Are you going to feel guilty about that? No. I, How I don't, do you give confidence in everyone else who... I don't pretend to be prescient. But how do you give confidence in everyone else who is like, yeah, well, well that's what we're doing. So what the fuck, Tom? I don't pretend to be prescient. I don't pretend to not wish and dream that we could go back and film scenes better differently. I think as much as I hate the idea of like having to bring everyone back, having to inconvenience people and just pull them back into a project that they thought was done I mean, right? We did the rap party. We did everything that like you're supposed to do yeah. when you're done. And then we were like, oh, we're not done. We're not even close to done. Yeah. We'll be done in a decade. Just, <laughs> just wait. Yeah. You know, and we have actors. I mean, I remember like after like a year or two, a bunch of actors had reached out asking for like demo reel material. And just not sending anything to them because it was just like, I don't have it. I got nothing. Yeah. I don't know what you want from me. Like, <laughs> I've I've done a rough cut. That was it. Yeah. And then we were looking for someone that could, you know, save the movie. And it turned out being it was us. Well, can I ask you something then? Yeah. To top that off. So, me and you 
we're in a good spot because we're making this film and and we're happy where it's going. But what do you have to say to all those actors and cast and crew who wanted something to show for it but have nothing to show for anything after eight years? Like, is it just hold on, be patient? Is it no? What 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 do you have to say to them to? Uh, I'm sorry. Keep them involved, and then what do you have to say to them to? We don't need their involvement anymore, I guess. Which is so it's a bit uh, of a fuck. Fuck you. Then? No, 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 no. We well, don't what need are you saying. Then? We don't need their involvement in in a sense that I hope to God that we can finish everything without their involvement, and that everything now lies in our hands and getting it done mm-hmm. because we already had, a, we have already had asked more than any, than we could possibly ever have asked in a cast and crew to get things done on a project that was completely volunteer based. I mean, food was provided, but other than that, you know, pretty people pretty much aren't paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're on our end of the bargain. We will say that the film right now is better than it's ever been. It's only getting better. And as soon as we can't make it better, we're going to put it out and we're going to release it to the world. And you guys can see it. You can hate it. You can love it. You can say, it wasn't worth the seven years or eight years or whatever, but to us, we had no choice and we gave it every fucking bit of ourselves as we can. So we hope that at the end of the day, you can at least enjoy it and understand that we're providing you something so much better than what it was and what it could have been. And that we're, we have really and truthfully found something that you as uh, workers on the film cast on the film can actually be proud of, because trust me, we've seen cuts of this film that would make you want to fucking kill yourself. Well, that's a little strange. <laughs> Certainly slit your wrists. At least. And the ambulance is on the way. Well, buddy, after all of this discussion, and you know, we did have a tough day of editing because I felt like uh, you were exhausted. I'll admit to that. I felt like you were exhausted. I know I was. I had a major headache. I was very exhausted. I was just like, God, I don't want... And it was like, fuck you, Tom. You're going in the wrong direction. And you were like, fuck you, Steven. You're going in the wrong direction. But at some point, we met in the middle and we made a ton of progress. Yeah. So at the end of all of this, we're now facing our game. The final game. How do you feel? Is it good? Are we going into this on a good game? Like, come on, man. Do we have to worry about the writer's strike? The DGAA SAG? I think we uh or can we just play a fucking trivia game and not worry? I think we just got a battle. Battle? Who are we battling? Everything? You and I. Oh fuck. 
Do you think they have chimichangas on the battlefield? Yeah, what kind of battlefield doesn't have a fucking nice fried burrito? Fuck yeah. So you are the uh, victor. Yes. So would you like to go first or would you like to ask the question first? I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to leave two questions behind. So what? how does this work? Uh, Do I just get to pick any question? Pick any question. Yes. Go ahead. Why not? Why don't we have to we have to go through the whole card? How about that? And then if you get one right, what? I don't know. Because you will literally get every single one right, except for maybe the first one. Uh, how do you want to do it, buddy? Uh, you tell me, man. This is the first time you played this game, right? This is the second time we've played this one. Oh, the smiling face. Okay, so movie trivia game. You have an option of smiling face, Necronomicon, Smile, uh, Cry Later, or uh, Sci-Fi Gun. Uh, Smiley Face, Necronomicon, Smile, Cry why Later. Why you give me the... Sci-Fi Gun. The Chattering Teeth or whatever. In what Adam Sandler movie does Jack Nicholson repeat the word Goosefraba? Anger Management. Yes. You oh. got that. Okay, which category would you like? I want the sci-fi gun. And, let, and let's shuffle after every take. True or false? <laughs> Just the way you look at me. John, John Carpenter's The Thing takes place in the Arctic. Uh-huh. True or false? True. It's false. Antarctic? The Antarctic. Oh, God damn it. That's a... Okay. Fine. I got it wrong. Antarctic. Okay. Well, what do you want, buddy? Uh, You go ahead and pick. No, you pick. The, Smiley face. The ne book. Necronomicon. What, what actor trained in classical ballet plays a tough bouncer in Roadhouse? Jesus fucking Christ. Patrick Swayze. Fucking cock. How many to win? How many do you want to do? Not four. How about 12? 20? Uh, I was thinking maybe like six. Six. Okay. Okay. What do you want? Give me the sci-fi gun. What horror series turned Freddy Krueger into an icon? Friday the 13th. Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, <laughs> fuck me, dude. I'm down that many. Okay. Okay, you pick. Shit, dicks. Oh, uh, fuck. I guess I'll pick the sci-fi gun. All right. In The Shining, what is the name of Denny's psychic powers? Wait, what? The Shine. In The Shining, what is the name of Danny's psychic powers? Shine. The Shining. Uh, so if you get it right, do I take a drink or do you take a drink? You, you need take to take a, a drink. Okay. You're up three to zero. Which one do you want? Give me the chattering teeth. In the birdcage, 
What are Robin Williams and Nathan Lane pretending to be? Gay? Uh, straight. Yes. Correct. So. You got that right. I take a drink? Sure. <laughs> so it's one to three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the um, laughing faces. In what comedy is a fashion model brainwashed to kill Prime Minister of Malaysia? <laughs> You're not going to get that. I guarantee. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you want to like double it up. Fashion model. Yeah. Brainwashed to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Mm-hmm. If you get this, dude. Zoolander. I will be impressed. And you did get it, but I didn't <laughs> say anything more than that. Okay. Four to one. Oh, I got to take a drink. No, I got to take a drink. No, I got to take a drink. No, I got to take a drink. <laughs> you fucking beast. Uh, Give me the smile now, cry later. True or false? Popeye was a musical starring Steve Martin. False. Correct. Who was it starring? What? That's a- uh, Robin Williams. Yes. So is that like, do I, do you take a drink for me getting like double right? Sure. All right. You pick. Um, chat, the chattering teeth. teeth. The cast of what 80s golf comedy includes a dancing gopher. Caddyshack. I feel like, buddy, I'm going to lose. Uh, which one do you want? Uh, give me the Necronomicon. What movie is considered the culmination of a story arc told? This game sucks. Over 22 films. Wait, what? What movie is considered the culmination of a story arc told over 22 films? 22 films. Like movies. Yeah. All these movies combined. Marvel. Close. You're close. Marvel Comics? What's the movie title? Avengers. Which Avengers? Endgame? Correct. Okay, I'll take a drink for that because that was a little bitch answer. Uh, What do you want? Space gun. I want a space gun. You know what? You know what's a good space gun movie? Yeah. Judge Dredd. With Carl Urban. Dread, just dread, dread, yeah. I mean, it's basically the raid, right? But good or bad, both. Eh, the raid's much better. So, what did you say, Space Gun? Uh, no, we're gonna. Okay, who is the villain in Star Trek Into Darkness? Uh, Khan. Or do you want the actor, Benedict Cumberbatch? What happens when you win it? I don't know. Well, you won it. You won. I thought we were going to 20. Dude, you got six. That's what we we're going to. Do you want to go to 10? Sure. What am I at? Three. And what are you at? Six. Six. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had any hard ones yet. <laughs> what category do you want? Uh, Give me the chattering teeth. Shit. We're going to finish this whole bottle. 
what actor masquerades as a Bible salesman? And oh, brother, where art thou? He's oh, the... John Goodman. Ah, yes. Hey, the Cyclops. so take a drink. What am I at? Four to three, six. Uh-huh. This is where Steven comes back. Duck Hunt. Zelda. I'll take the Necronomicon. Necronomicon? All right. Duh. Yep. What adventure has been portrayed by Richard Chamberlain, Sean Connery, and Patrick Swayze? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Avenger? <laughs> what? <laughs> What adventure has been portrayed by Richard Chamberlain, Sean Connery, and Patrick Swayze? Dude, it's clearly easy. Adventurer. Yeah. By Patrick Swayze, Richard Chamberlain, and Sean Connery. What do they all share in common? Come on, buddy. Oh, it feels so good to take a drink because I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) I... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're not gonna get it, dude. Just quit while you're ahead. You don't even fucking know. You don't even know who Richard Chamberlain is. You're like, well, <laughs> uh was he in the house of the rising sun? Uh, uh I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, you're right, you don't know. What's the answer? Alan Quartermain. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah. All right. uh, Give me Space Gun. The pod people take over San Francisco in what 1979 sci-fi? Oh, Evasion of the Body Snatchers. God damn it. So so, did you take a drink? That's so goddamn easy. How many? What are what's your record at? Uh, my record, I don't know, but your record. Your record is six. You're at six to ten. You're at five. All right. Take a drink, cocksucker. And then when you're done, tell me what you want. Drama. The two faces. All right. Drama two faces. What nice film CC company attempt to capture a hill during the Guadalajara campaign? Oh, you're not going to get that. Uh, Iwo Jima. <laughs> Fuck you. Nope. Drake! It's a thin red line, dude. Oh! That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Drake. Oh, <laughs> got a drink for right and wrong? <laughs> you're really right? What did you get right? I've gotten a lot right. You haven't got one right. I correct you. What's the quote? What do you want? Give me the, uh, give me the chatting to you. What sex comedy was Woody Allen's first screenplay? Annie Hall. No. What was it? What's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's right. I'm going to go with, can I go with sci-fi gun? You can go with whatever you want, buddy. I need an easy one. Okay. You want sci-fi gun? I want Who sci- plays a possessed cheerleader in Jennifer's body? Jennifer Conley, Megan Fox, or Demi Moore? Megan Fox. Jeez, that's easy. Dead person could get that question. What's what do you which one do you want? 
Give me the smile now, cry later. What addiction is train spotting about? Oh, meth? Incorrect. What is it about? Heroin. Oh, take a drink. Fuck. Really? Yeah. Shit. Okay. Fair. Oh, my turn. Um, you pick one. I guess chattering teeth. Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei comes around what company. Oh, my uncle, uh, my cousin Vinny. What's my record? My cousin Vinny. What's my score? Five. You fucking loser. <laughs> you fucking won it, dude. I'm playing. Okay, you still have a couple questions. No, you won it. You're six to five. You want you beat me. Which question did you want? We still have alcohol to drink. All right. What do we want to pick? You pick. You you pick. You pick, dude. You're the fucking winner. What British rocker played Jareth, the Goblin King in Labyrinth? David Bowie. Hey, you got it right. I'll drink. You're still the winner. Hey, that's all right. I won one. So what do you want me to call? Necronomicon. What Spielberg movie has a reference to the shining back to the future in the Iron Giant? No, Ready Player One. Yeah, you won that. What do you want? You pick it. You're the winner, dude. (laughs) What paper do the characters in Spotlight work for? Spotlight? The, The newspaper? Uh... Atlantic Coast Press? Boston Globe. Yeah, that's too close. All right, buddy. Pick this one. You win this. You win it all. All right. Let's go with the uh, drama. Okay. Two faces. Who directed The Seventh Seal? Ingrid Bergman. You finally beat me. (laughs) All right. All right. You beat me, buddy. How does it feel? Um, I think I I got one wrong. Oh, you cheated! I think I got one wrong, and it makes me upset. I think I should have got it right. Yeah, well, hey man, I think we had a good podcast. Trump wins, Trump. and yeah, that's who you are. Every, thanks everyone for listening to Twin Shadows podcast episode one hundred and eleven. Remember to check out Liquid IV if you'd like to. Sp- help support the podcast you can always go to patreon.com slash twin shadows production if you'd also like to support the podcast through liquid iv you could go to the link in the description down below or use promo code twin shadow podcast at checkout for 20 percent off on all products get that discount you know what i'm saying Yes. Okay. At Liquid IV. Stay hydrated out there, everybody. We're trying, but we drinking the wrong drink. And that's been episode oh, shit. 111. <laughs> yeah, part. Cut. <laughs> <laughs>